Hello world, I'm Jared Cunningham. This is the Freelance Forum Autumn 2022 podcast series. Over the years, the Freelance Forum has been made possible by support from the National Union of Journalists and the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. The following episode is a recording made at the Autumn 2022 Freelance Forum live event held on Saturday the 1st of October at Grange Gorman campus of the Technological University of Dublin. In this session, Liam Boyle from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland and Donal O'Donovan, the business editor at the Irish Independent, talk with Kieran Fagan, a freelance journalist and the treasurer of the Dublin Freelance NUJ branch. The topics of conversation are the Sound and Vision Fund, run by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, and pitching ideas to the Irish Independent and, more generally, pitching business stories. Kieran Fagan, I mentioned this morning, is the treasurer at the Dublin Freelance Branch, among other things, and uh, he's going to be presenting this session. Uh, I just noticed, well, Kieran does an awful lot of work. Uh, we, we're able to bring you this uh, every year in large part in the refreshments and so on, thanks to a, uh, uh, some support from the uh, Broadcasting Authority of Ireland uh, network funding. Um, but. Uh, Kieran is the one who takes care of a lot of the uh, paperwork and so on and liaison with the BAI that makes that possible. So a large part of what happens here today is, is uh, down to his work. Um, I'm joined here by Liam Boyle, who's from the BAI, to talk about uh, sound and vision, both currently and what potentially is coming down the road, because the uh, Commission on the Future Media, which we were just talking about, has also made a lot of recommendations in areas like that. and. Uh, Donald O'Donovan, who works with the Irish Independent, he's going to be talking on, obviously, on the print end of things. Um, print and digital. <laughs> Everything's digital now. Everything is digital, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the text end of things, would that be more accurate? That would be the copy end, yeah. 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 On the text end of things, um, pitching what they're looking for, again, hopefully giving a, an insight into uh, opportunities for a freelancer. So. And Seamus mentioned, uh, for some of you are no or NUJ members, some of you are not. For all of those of you who aren't, I would urge you have a look at nuj.org.uk forward slash join, <laughs> which will tell you all you need to know about how to, how to take the next steps to uh, getting from not just this conference, but everything the NUJ has to offer. Uh, again, I'll email you more details about that as well. There are also student memberships for those of you who are students here as well today. I'll shut up now. I want to hand over to Kieran. Right. Thank you. Um, in a sense, this this session is a continuation of the one you've just just been listening to, uh, with with more with more detail. I just want to say something about the BAI funding. Which, um, I'm coming towards the end of my time as treasurer of this branch, and um, I've have had the I've had the day-to-day -day dealings with the Broadcasting Authority um, over the, the funding they give us. I think it's I think it's four five thousand four thousand this year, which which helps us to to stage events like this and and to um, put on podcasts and various other other things. Um, I I have I have to say this because we're journalists and I've not said it before, there has been absolutely no input, influence of any kind 
from the BAI side on the subject matter. Nothing has been requested, nothing has been off limits. When we've asked for a speaker, as we have today, um, I think we've twice done that before. Some that somebody has, Liam, Liam is here today, um, others have appeared before. I just want, I, I, I want to record that fact and also, also to, to welcome it. We've, it's been a very, very cordial and supportive relationship. And I'd like to thank the, um, Deborah Wade, who, who is currently running it, and the overall manager of that section, Fanula Murphy, who has been very supportive all the time. Okay, now we're going to start with uh, Donald O'Donovan, who is going to um, talk to us about the text stroke, digital stroke, whatever it is, future. Um, and then Liam will take us back over the um, what was in, in the um, report on the future of the media, how he sees that we're planning out. Okay? Uh, how are you doing? I'm Donald O'Donovan. Um, I, I, I don't have a great presentation or anything like that. I think the easiest thing is maybe if I talk you through kind of our working practice as commissioning editors at the Irish Independent. So I'm the business editor of the Irish Independent. Um, uh, traditionally, obviously, that's a big print title. Very much focused on digital now. Very much focused on digital. Um, uh, to the extent that, you know, our deadlines, our practices, our, our kind of whether we run a story at 4 p.m. or 2 a.m., 7 a.m. Has, has really changed. All that sort of stuff is, is, is kind of in flux at the moment. Um, the volume of, of output is actually changing, which is an interesting thing. And it's not, as I would have thought when I started in working in websites 25 years ago maybe, um, because we have more and because there's room for more and because there's an endless kind of amount of space online. Actually, what we find is that there's less space for attention online, that there are probably fewer stories online that actually resonate with an audience. So um, we're coming to focus much more on fewer stories in a given day. Um, the f stories have to be, um, they have to stand out, they have to be outstanding, whether it's because they're very original, whether it's because they're really excellent, whether it's because they've come from a different angle. Those are the stories that resonate online. Um, that, that's always been true, you know, the, the front page stories always had to have some of those qualities. Um, but the front page was generally followed by maybe 42 or 46 pages of other stories. That's much, much less the case now, um, I have to say. Um, that, not, not, notwithstanding that, uh, so I'm one of, um, so I, I, I work at Talbot Street in what's now Media House Ireland. So I sit on the floor with the team from the Irish Independent. So that's myself, there's an editor, of the, well, there's a, we have a group editor now, Cormac Burke. Um, there are news editors, there are sports editor, features editor, magazine editor, review editor, and um, uh, and they're all commissioning, or whether they're commissioning internally from their own kind of staff reporters, or whether they're commissioning externally from freelancers. So about 20% of what I commission every week comes from freelancers. Uh, that comes from outside the building. They're, they're mostly they're regular, they're people who I, who I know very well, or people who kind of, who, 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 who pitch very regularly or have a regular slot, um, and that, and so that they're, they're they're contributing in generally in kind of known quantities, but there are always new people coming in. Um, so that's probably 
what you're interested in, um, how, how to be one of those people. Um, uh, so from my point of view, the key thing, and this is this will be true for all of my colleagues who do the same job, you know, across different topic areas, um, is find the right person. Right? There is absolutely no point in pitching me a sports story. There's no point in pitching me a news story. There's no point in pitching me a feature. There's almost no point in in, in pitching me a feature. Um, if you find me and you pitch me a business story on a day that I'm looking for business stories, there's a very good chance it'll run somewhere. Um, if it's a good story. If you find me with exactly the same story on a day where I'm not looking for business stories, I will probably ignore it and never think about it again. But that's not because the quality of the work is, any, if your work is in any way different, it's because, you know, my needs on a given day are different. It's very kind of, I suppose it's for, from your own point of view, it's important to be aware of that. It's not necessarily the quality of the work that's getting in or, or not getting in or fight, fighting its way, but to have a chance, it has to be going to the right person. So if it's business, you should know who the business editor is. If, if, if you, that at the Irish Independent, that's me or John Ives, the deputy business editor. You know, I have, we have kind of peers across all the main titles, um, and the same thing for review, the same thing for features, the same thing for news. Um, so, one thing that we're really, really, really strong on at, at the Irish Independent that we talk about internally, that we kind of do as a practice, is when I'm looking at a piece of news. When I'm looking at a pitch, a news pitch from kind of one of our own reporters or from outside, I'm very kind of interested in who the audience is or what the audience is for that particular piece of news or for that feature or for that interview. And it may be a great story if it doesn't have an audience, if I'm not kind of, if I can't identify an audience, a readership for it, it kind of isn't going anywhere and I'm definitely not paying for it. Um, even if it's the greatest story in the world, to be honest with you. No, if it's the greatest story in the world, it will have an audience, but we write to an audience. so. I don't know, um, Charlie Weston's on my team, he writes to an audience that the personal finance, it's not abstract personal finance, it's, you know, your money, your mortgage, your bills, your, um, your tax. Uh, we did it, we, we do, you know, the budget obviously was a big set piece during the week, we write that for an audience, sometimes for different audiences, so who's an SME, insurance stories are very much targeted at SMEs, um, uh, tax stories are very much targeted at, you know, either people who are who are income taxpayers or pensioners or um, businesses corporation tax you know there's a, whatever it is it doesn't matter what it is what what the topic is there has to be an audience and the audience needs to be identified by the writer the writer needs to be aware that they're writing for somebody they're not writing for everybody that's very important when I read it, when I read a story or a pitch um, as I said about 20% of, of, of what we produce in business is probably from freelance so just in print terms, we have three pages of business news on a Monday, four pages on a Tuesday, five pages on a Wednesday, 20 pages on a Thursday, five pages on a Friday, and five pages on a Saturday. So it's about three stories on every page, give or take, on average. Um, yeah, there's about three 500 word stories on every page, if you, if you think of it that way. So that's kind of our output for the week. So about 20% of that is freelance, and that's probably true across most Across, across most sections, uh, more so in some of the feature sections, less so in, in some of the news sections. So a lot, there is a lot. Um, and of the, the freelancers who, who, who write for business, um, I would say very few are pitching just hard news stories, straight news stories, so they're mostly pitching something else. Um, oftentimes, certainly the first time that they pitch, they'll <coughs> ring me, find me. 
and that's like you know I'm not I'm not hard to find you ring the switchboard they'll put you through this and the same for any other section head um, and uh, if you get through at a point in time where someone can talk to you they'll, they'll talk to you and if you don't they won't and that's fine that's just the way life is because people in newsrooms are busy sometimes and sometimes they're not busy and um, so just try again you know and persistence really pays off but be clear about what it is you want are you looking to pitch a single story are you looking to pitch kind of a relationship if it is a, a relationship and that's often a good way to think about it is it that you cover a particular topic that you cover a particular place that you do a particular type of journalism that will become identifiable so that the next time that person that commissioning editor is thinking I need that thing that you will pop into their head that's very important um, in terms of kind of in, being, in terms of being recommissioned the first thing obviously is when you're asked to deliver something delivered on time um, if a freelancer pitches me and the first thing they deliver misses a deadline I'll never ask them again I don't have a relationship with that person I don't know anything about that person except that they left me with a hole in the page so I would never go back um, Make sure your copy is clean, make sure your copy is kind of is good, make sure that you're writing with a reader in mind, all that sort of stuff. Uh, do it well. Best foot forward. Don't break your heart on it either. I mean, it's just, a, you know, it, 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 it is a story and it has to go in. Make sure you, you ask for money. People should get paid for their work. Um, you should have an idea what, what people pay. We pay kind of, of those pieces, somewhere between 80 euros at the bottom and you know, 500, 600 euros at the top of the, of the scale, depending on what the piece is, depending on who's writing it, all that sort of stuff. You, you should be aware when you're pitching that there's a price on your work and you should put a value on your work and you should be fairly upfront about it. Um, certainly don't kind of... Uh, commissioning editors are not embarrassed about money. Um, we have to pay out money all the time. That's, that's kind of what we do. Um, uh, but it, it becomes a nuisance if six months later, you know, you're trying to figure out what you owe somebody and they didn't, weren't a friend. So just be upfront, ask for money, think about money, think in terms of money. Your work is, work, is, is, is valuable, you should put a value on it. Um, uh, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't work for free. Um, uh, what else would I say? Yeah, I'd say um, persistence pays off, targeting the right people. So be aware who's commissioning in each organization that you're interested in. So if you're interested in print and digital, who are the section heads? There's no point in pitching the editor. There's, um, there's no point in pitching a reporter. So, you know, find out who you need to be p pitching. Talk to them. If you want to meet them for a coffee, suggest a coffee. If you want a phone call, suggest a phone call. But kind of if you're doing that, you, you need to kind of know what it is you're going to be pitching when you get there. Um, and it won't be one story. It'll be, it'll be something more than that. If you have one story and it's ready to go, great. You know, don't send it in fully. Send in a teaser. Um, think about deadlines. Uh, think about the workflow of people in, in those jobs. So I have uh, news conferences. There's a news conference at 10, there's a news conference at 11.30, there's a news conference at 3, and there's a news conference at 5.30 in the Indo, and then there's a like front page conferences later on. So, and, and, and you know, they're more or less the same across all the titles. So there's, there's not much point in pitching after 3 o'clock. It's sort of, you know, a news story or a features idea for that day or anything like that, because, you know, the bones of anything the next day is kind of workflow have been laid out at 11.30 and they've been kind of nailed down at 3 o'clock and they've been finessed at 5.30. That's just kind of, that's just practice. Um, but it's practice that matters. One thing I would always suggest if you're, if you're freelancing, if you're interested in kind of freelancing, is look for shifts as, as a sub, as a copy sub or a production sub. It's a great way to see the inside of an organization. It's a great way to see who makes decisions. It's a great way to meet people who make decisions. Um, and it's a great way to become known and trusted, and trust is huge. So, you know, if, if I'm commissioning a piece of work in business, 
there is a lot of trust in, 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 in kind of assuming that everything is right. We'll get it legal, that's okay, but, um, you know, having a relationship and, and knowing who the person is does make that easier. So that's just, a, as, a, as a good kind of practice, it's a handy way to make money as well if you can do it. Um, it's it's kind of it's something that's out there. Tom Tom Sweeney is the is the chief sub in the Indo. So if you're interested in subs, you should definitely um, kind of pitch in, particularly in the holiday time. That's it. That's as many helpful things as I can think of this moment in time. Thank you. Um, I don't. I just want to ask you one question, um, and then maybe there'll be other questions on what has just been on just been said. Is the, um, you mentioned you just used the word holiday time. Um, when I was a freelance, um, I used to aim stuff at holiday time, at the, the long Christmas period and yeah. so on. Do you, do, do, you, yeah, do you welcome that? Very much so, yeah. So there are times when we have fewer bodies because people take holidays. People take ho holidays in August, so a lot of staff reporters will be off. Um, uh, people take holidays around Christmas, a lot of staff reporters will be off. People take holidays around Easter and staff reporters will be off. And if you're really kind of on the ball, uh, figure out when the midterms are as well. Because uh, that's when a lot of editors will be off and uh, there'll be people who are flapping around trying to get copy. Um, so yeah, those are, those are good times to be thinking of. So if you're kind of thinking ahead of those points in time. Um, again, that, like, that's just practice. Sure. It's just workflow, sure. but, it, but it really makes a difference. And, and for you, you said, for, for example, that by five o'clock, most things are settled, um, at the, unless it's, it's, you know, the end of the unless world. Unless it's the end of the world, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, 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 or it's coming from internally and you're kind of, you know, we can kind of move the... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay. But how about, um, how about the, the time in the week? Is there, a, is there a better time, a good time, a bad time in the week? Um, can you... Very much so. Um, and this is obviously different across every section. So if you look at the supplements, the print supplements, we have, as I said, have 20 pages of, of a print supplement on Thursday. Um, that means that Wednesday is just flat out for me. There's absolutely no point in calling me on a, on a Wednesday. Uh, I have loads of work to do. A lot of it is processing. Um, and I'm kind of very much relying on the, the senior <coughs> business team reporters to produce a, a splash, really, for that day. All, everything else in terms of copy that's not kind of breaking news, so say in that there's there's three to five pages of, of news, business news in that in that supplement and everything else is, is kind of more set piece stuff. Um, so everything else is filed by the breaking news on Tuesday night. And so if you think about that, that's true for review as well. They'll have a production day where there's absolutely no point in talking to the review editor on production day. Same thing with the magazine, same thing with kind of the big sports supplements. You want to be talking to people maybe two days before that, um, two days before the supplement. So if you look look at when the supplements are, you'll see what are the busy days for those section heads. And the, the, the busiest day is, is, the, la is the, the day you don't want to be talking to them. Yeah, yes, okay. Anybody else got questions on what Donald has particularly said? Or Robert? Um, yeah, uh, th thank you very much. Um, I was just wondering, but um, with regards to a press release, uh, what would you say would be uh, the main things that you really like to see in a press release, and then what are the things that you really don't like to see in terms of a press release? The number one thing I like to see in a press release is a phone number for the person who sent it. Um, you'd be amazed how many people don't put their, press their phone number in press releases. Um, uh, they really ought to be there to answer it on the day that the press release comes in as well. Other than that, just clarity, um, you know, short, very short is ideally 
we can follow up with questions if they if it begs questions. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yes, yeah, succinct. You know, who, what, where, why, and when. That's what I want in a press release and a phone number. Yeah, um, yeah, no, we do. Like I do, so you know, people do ring, and they might have a kind of a, a not quite fully formed idea for a story, and we can kind of definitely help them out with that. Again, if there's time, and if there isn't, I wouldn't. I yeah. sometimes think people edit, editors will come across as very rude, but that's just because they're like on deadline or whatever, uh, and sometimes it's because they're very rude. Um, uh, I would say uh, so. Persistence kind of matters. Yeah, if you if 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 you think you have an idea. I'd say try and find someone who has a little bit of time to develop it, if, if, if you need that, yeah. Um, Liam, yeah, sure, uh, thanks Kieran. thanks for, for having me today. Uh, my name is Liam Boyle, I work at the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. Uh, we work in a, a lovely idea, it's called a matrix structure, so we work in lots of different areas. Uh, I mainly work in, actually, PSB regulations, so the regulation of RT and TG Carher. They also work in Sound and Vision. And I've also been doing quite a bit of work on the Future Media Commission uh, as well, which has been talked about quite a bit today. So, as Kieran said, uh, a lot of what we're going to say today is, is following on from what Seamus covered in, in the previous section. Uh, a lot to do with money, so that's always good. Um, but uh, I hope to give a little bit more clarity, or at least a bit of direction on where things are likely to go over the next couple of years. Uh, I suppose. Most of you might be aware of Sound of Vision in, in, in different guises, and you've probably seen the credit at the end of a few programmes, or you've heard it on the radio. It's a proportion of the licence fee. Uh, it's been existing since 2009 or so. It's, it's, it's set out in section 154 of the Broadcasting Act 2009, if you want some nice bedtime reading. Uh, uh, basically, it is there to reflect Irish culture, experience and heritage. It's a very broad <coughs> kind of term. Um, it's done that through a series of different rounds of funding. Uh, I think we're at round 48 at the moment. Um, and usually it's open rounds, which means uh, anyone can really apply, so long as you've got uh, an Irish free-to-air broadcaster attached to it. Uh, I suppose already you're saying, okay, broadcasters, that's, that's me out of the loop here, but not necessarily, to be honest. An applicant can be anyone, really, who uh, is able to to, to get their idea on air uh, with backing from an Irish broadcaster. Uh, so largely we, we have open rounds, which is, like I said, open to everyone. So TV, radio, commercial radio, commercial TV, PSB, uh, and community broadcasters as well. But more recently we've started doing targeted rounds. A lot of that has to do with direction from government. Um, and the minister of the time can ask us, or tell us, uh, to do target rounds in specific areas. So in the last year we've had, and Seamus mentioned as well, we've had a, a COVID rounds for commercial radio in particular. Um, we've uh, currently doing a, our second Irish uh, music or live music round, um, which kind of covers radio but also covers TV as well and live events. And we're, we're also doing a, a climate change round at the moment, which is a, quite a departure from what we've done recently it's, it's targeted in terms of specific content. Um, so I suppose what happens in, in a process is, um, well, sign up on BAI.ie anyway to get your, your 
your uh, news releases and your uh, your updates on when a round is going to happen because it's usually a three or four months process from when a round is announced when we receive applications we assess them uh, and we we let applicants know whether or not they've been successful or not so keep an eye out because they're always ongoing and we have I think we've three open rounds on the go at the moment um, what happens is uh, an application is is put in uh, there's a guide given to all applicants so it's very clear what the round is is trying to do whether or not it's open or, or, or targeted what we're marking you on uh, it, it literally gives you kind of a step-by-step -step guide of what we're looking for um, I will probably get on to kind of a few tips later on but I suppose that the basis for why I'm talking about sound and vision why it may be applicable to you is that it's one of the few things I suppose coming out of the future media commission report that there was consensus on it's consensus on two things really I think Seamus license fees broken and sound and vision is a decent contestable fund that can be used as a model going forward uh, so with that in mind um, we, we're all very much Tuned to the, the budget last or this week um, to see what came out of it, and as Seamus has said, uh, six million euro has been uh, allocated for budget 2023 for, for two specific schemes. Um, so it's a uh, uh, local uh, reporter, local democracy, and course reporting schemes. Uh, and uh, the minister has decided that this will be for the BAI to develop um, and to, to run. Uh, as Seamus said, we we're, we're low on detail on that at the moment, but there's a perfect storm of lots of different things happening at the same time. Uh, and the BAI is about to become a much bigger regulator. So we're going to become Commission Uniman, uh, probably sometime next year. Uh, so we move from being just a, a linear broadcast regulator to also uh, uh, regulating online. Uh, and that's not just, uh, say, online broadcasters or video service providers, that's also uh, regulating online harm. So our role is massively expanding. We're small at the moment, we're very small. We have a headcount of 35, and we're going to be regulating some of the biggest tech players in the world who are headquartered here. So all of this is all happening at the same time. So I know I'm probably just blurting out stuff that doesn't make sense, but there's, I suppose, direction from government of where things are going as well and what we've been asked to do. I suppose wrapped up in all of this is how, how are these funds uh, how are they going to work and how will you be able to apply um, I can't tell you exactly how these things will happen but I can say that we'll want to do it fairly quickly because we've been asked to do it so we'll see what has worked in terms of sound and vision and what maybe we can borrow going forward because it's still going to be uh, as Shane said before it'll be uh, the disbursement of public funds so it's going to have to be transparent and accountable. It's going to have to meet EU state rules, state aid rules. So all of those things have to be checked off first. So there's aspects of the application process that probably follow. But the key thing at the moment is in sound and vision, and this is set out in the Act, news and current affairs is, is not included within the scheme. So it's explicitly called out as not being included. So you can do documentaries, you can do children's, uh, you can do entertainment. Uh, but you cannot do explicitly news and current affairs programming. So that's where you guys come in, to be honest, and that's where the sector comes in. Uh, and what the BAI is is very much kind of known for, in many regards, is 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 consultative development of policies. Uh, so we have kind of nearly a, a set template of how we deal with stakeholders and how we put things out to public consultation. Um, so I imagine 
that we will we will have to go into consultation basically on this. We'll we'll welcome views from obviously the NUJ and from um, news operators on how these specific schemes will work because they're quite different to what we've seen before. I mean, the local democracy scheme. Uh, what it seems to intend to do is is to really kind of tackle these kind of lofty concepts that we've seen develop over the last few years, misinformation and disinformation. Uh, and there are other jurisdictions that are trying different things in, or, uh, in order to address this. So we're, we're, we're trying to keep an eye on what's working in other countries and what's not working as well. Um, so at the moment, there is six million euro allocated for, for two specific schemes. Um, and it's helpful context to see where all of this sits within the future immediate commission reports that got published recently. So it was a bit of a hoo-ha about the report itself because it, it was with government for nearly a year and nothing really happened and then it got published uh, late summer. 50 recommendations, 49 of them, uh, government said they have accepted in principle. One of those key one, uh, reform of license fee, not. We're still going through that process of figuring out how, the, how all those recommendations work. Um, an implementation group has been set up, different bodies of the department, um, of uh, our own department of media, uh, but also other interested departments as well. So the zero VAT rate, for instance, was a recommendation that came out of the Future Media Commission, uh, reform of defamation. Um, so it, it, was, it was not just uh, broadcast media, it also covered print. So, there is, like I said, there's kind of a perfect storm of lots of different things happening at the same time. There's, there's uh, the uh, transition of the, the BAI to Commission Oman, the introduction of new legislation underpinning that. So we have the old Broadcasting Act 2009, and what we have at the moment at the latter stages of Iraq's discussion is the Online Safety and Media Regulation Bill, the OSMR. So that sets up Commission Demand, it sets up regulation of online and on demand. We're quite we're an outlier in Europe in that we don't have regulation for for online broadcast media anyway, um, for the past ten years or so because <coughs> the audiovisual media service directive in two thousand and ten set out that and other jurisdictions have had regulation of online broadcast media. We haven't. So we're we're a bit late to the game and considering who is headquartered here, there's quite a bit of focus from Europe on what happens in terms of uh, how, how this all happens. So like I said before, you've this perfect storm, and I hate to use the term, but it is, it's one that's bandied about quite a bit where you have a huge transition happening with an organization, you have a massive new portfolio of um, aspects of regulation which are being bolted on, a huge new skill base that's needed, and then you have the disbursement of, of funds via these um, two new funds that's been attached on. So. I suppose what I'm here today, today is in a sense of managing expectations about what will happen and when. Um, we have a long, long list of everything is a priority at the moment to crack on with. We have the development of new codes and rules for online. We have to keep the ball rolling with everything else that we do as well in terms of the broadcast compliance of, of traditional media in, in Ireland. Uh, and then the development of, of, of new schemes. I mean the, Sound and Vision scheme itself, we're on scheme four, so every time uh, the, there's a review set out in the Act, um, a review period where we have to see what's worked, what hasn't, um, talk to other stakeholders and then revise and develop it. That usually takes two years. Um, 
so we've been asked to, to establish two new schemes <coughs> very quickly in a short length of time so um, there is a will to do that as quickly as possible and we'll be so working with our colleagues in the department but the idea I think at the moment is, is for um, BAI commissioning a man to do that and, 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 and to work on that basis um, not to repeat myself but there'll be many aspects of the same vision scheme we think uh, incorporated into that so it may be an idea to make yourself au fait with how sound vision works it's it's not meant to be dense or um, <laughs> kind of not not understandable <laughs> but sometimes it can be um, it tries to to do its best but it's you know at the at the end of the day written by civil servants and not all of us have, have worked yeah. in the media uh, I have, don't worry about me, but, uh, <laughs> not, not all of us have, um, but the, the whole point of it is is that it is supposed to be open and consultative and we're supposed to, and we do listen to, to, to um, uh, as much feedback as possible, even on, on different rounds rather than schemes, how did that work, what can we do differently, because it's, there's quite a bit of admin to it, to be quite honest, um, it's public money so we have to be doubly sure on where the money's been spent, how budgets uh, have been have been uh, presented, uh, where the money's gone, and there's kind of a fairly clear set of deliverables that you have to kind of prove where the money went as well you know, uh, at the end of the day. But any application, whether it be in Sound Division or in future funds, I think um, clarity and quality of application is always key. They're usually always contested funds and they're usually always oversubscribed um, the last round we had a pot of four and a half million and we received applications to the tune of about 12 million so it's it's quite tough uh, to, to, to get funded um, there are different layers of assessment to ensure that we are looking for the right things at the, at the right stages um, but there are plenty of, of broadcasters and uh, journalists as well who, who, who do a lot of documentary work who know how to do a good application uh, and, and not to say that they can bank on it year on year but they know what gets across the line uh, and once you kind of get into the, to, to the, the scheme itself and get used to how it works it, it can be it can be a good source of income even though it's 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 not a predictable source of income like that. I'm uh, wary that I'm rabbiting on <laughs> quite a bit, but uh, and I've thrown a lot out there. But happy to take any questions or, or comments or queries. Can I? The immediate one that strikes me is: Can you do? Can and and it? I know it's putting you on the spot because you, the the BAI has to do what its political masters tell it to do. But but can any organisation of currently 35 people and take on a report of 49 with 49 recommendations on it and make it happen. I mean, i just give you an example. Some, uh, in, I don't know, 20 years ago, I interviewed um, a guy who was running what was the, uh, the um, equivalent of the Southern Health Board. It was, I think it was then still called the Southern Health Board. It was about to be absorbed into the HSE. And I said, what's your biggest problem? And he said, oh, there's, there's no doubt about that. He says, half my staff weren't working here five years ago. Uh, haven't you got, hasn't the BAI got that problem written 
large, much larger. It's a huge issue. I mean, the, the problem at the moment is since 2009, since the inception of the BAI, we've been historically under-resourced. Uh, the, the kind of the inception of the BAI had a lot to do with a, a, a competition complaint to the EU Commission, uh, and it regulation was was I suppose was created to kind of solve a political problem rather than deal with the kind of substantive issues of how media should be kind of regulated. So we've always been under-resourced. But like looking at the future media commission itself, uh, well, we're a year on anywhere. We're nearly two years on from when the commission actually did their work. So a lot of those recommendations have aged. Um, and if you go kind of in granular detail and look through, some don't necessarily apply anymore. Uh, some don't apply at all because if you don't perform the license fee, you can't really do yeah, okay. other things as well at the same time. You can do them, but there isn't a whole point to do it. Others are kind of wrapped up in legislative change and legislative reform. So if you're going to look at RT and TG Carter's public objects, then you're going to have to reform them. Uh, there's no appetite, I think, to, to do that in a short in the short period because we're we're going through the enactment of a big piece of legislation at the moment. So. I think the work that's been done at the moment is uh, really a prioritisation exercise with the recommendations. What can be done now? What is being done? And there are many things that are being done, um, but can be kind of piggybacked on or maybe expanded a little bit more. Uh, but it is a sense of priority of, of what needs to be done. But the, the, the media fund um, recommendations are, as Shame said, there has been action on that. The money's been allocated. It's going to have to be spent. <laughs> simple as and there'll be a lot of pressure on that to happen fairly quickly so um, there's a fairly kind of you know that, that will happen relatively quickly we can, can imagine just I, I won't I, I'm, I, I don't want to hog this but one constant issue that gets raised with me by uh, content providers God forgive me using the term but people people who write people who broadcast people who want to make for instance, it's a very short step from being a print journalist to being uh, making radio documentaries, mm -hmm. for instance. And they go to they 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 if if they they say it's me, I don't do it. But uh, if I want to sell a story to, to them, I can get an answer. Mm -hmm. If I want to sell a story to the BA to say news talk or something. I'm off around the houses. Hmm. I've got to. I've got to work up a proposal. I don't get to talk to Donald, who says, "You're wasting your time." That's up. You don't have thousand times. You yeah. know. Yeah. Is is there is there any sense within the BAI that this is a difficulty for um, for for the people who are looking for commissions? One final reminiscence. I I worked for a while in. Uh, public relations, and you could pretty well divide the people in public relations between those who could write, write proposals, tenders, and those who could do public relations. Mm -hmm. And 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 it's difficult for sole providers to be everything. No, absolutely, and I think it'll be one of the main challenges of this new media fund and how we square that off. Um, because it, it's been clear already that um, they intend to be this lovely term platform neutral or platform agnostic. So the idea that it's TV or, or, or radio or online shouldn't matter. So you can't tie yourself in the same way that Sound of Vision, say, has tied itself to 
um, an Irish broadcaster being on board. So there's going to have to be some movement of that or some kind of flexibility on that in order to ensure it. Now, how do you how do you stop a six million fund getting eaten up by a big online player very quickly as well? I mean, we need to figure that out. Um, and it's not that we've necessarily capped TV and radio before, but TV obviously TV budgets are are, are much higher than radio, um, and TV is always oversubscribed in sound sound and vision. So we don't ensure kind of quotas in terms of TV and radio split but we'll have to look at it in the main and there's always a, a strategic assessment phase basically a sound division where we weigh everything up at the end of a round and say okay we've got 20 TV projects here and we've only got 30 radio we need to kind of mix things around a bit Irish language is obviously a big aspect of that as well so we've uh, set a bar of 20-25% of all content in around in, in, in Irish language so that needs to be kind of looked at as well uh, in the round, but for the media fund, at the end of the day, this this is about this is not just about providing audiences with Irish content. You need unique Irish content. It's not just about uh, helping, if you want to put it that way, or supporting the Irish AV sector. It's about facilitating democracy, uh, and it's you know these are lofty ideas, but they do have impact in terms of how the money is dispersed. Sorry, go ahead. Thanks, Liam. Just a quick question on that. Uh, there's been talk for a few years of podcasting being included in the remit for the AI. I'm just wondering what some of the reasons. I think in, in, in the media fund, it, it is being, I suppose, loosely defined at the moment as being platform neutral, so I think it has to be covered in it. Um, I suppose what we're trying to figure out at the moment is how long will the current iteration of Sound and Vision last alongside the media fund? And the, these are the more kind of boring, mundane aspects of a transition to a, a larger organisation. But that's what we're trying to figure out. As the BAI, we're going to be doing a lot of the old BAI stuff while Commission of Man is established. But the Commission of Man has already been told we need to do X, Y, Z as well at the same time. So will we be doing Sound and Vision without podcasting for a while and then a media fund with <coughs> podcasting? Probably, to be honest. Um, yeah, mm, it's, it's like there might be a few jobs going through. Uh, yeah, keep an eye out, to be honest. My workload is, is through the roof anyway, I could do it help. <laughs> I think Seamus still yeah, In our initial response to the Commission report, I was actually critical of the amount of power being given to the AI. And that wasn't a criticism of the AI. It was actually believed that actually no one organisation can do all of that well. But that's not a function of lean. lean. Has to, that if, the, if that is the power that is devolved, that's part of the we favoured more that there would be a chain and development agency which would be separate, which I think the BAI does really well, uh, separate from the notion of uh, com you know, the compliance, the regulation, they're very different things. And then you get the competition powering functions as well. So I, I would be worried, oh, we're kind of stuck with that. Uh, there is the old story which you'll be familiar with, with uh, the, <coughs> the journalist who come back with the photographer from the press reception and the old guy is with them, they have wine and dine and said, are we going to write that up? And your man said, no, we're going to astonish them with our ingratitude. And to a certain extent, we're going to astonish the minister, I think, with ingratitude as well, because I will be writing her saying, listen, what actually is going on here? Because one of the problems is we do want this money, and we want it quickly, so I think it's a question probably of wanting it now rather than good. But at the same time, there's almost a logic in there not being a sound and vision, which is, which ignores digital, and, and a parallel one, which probably involves podcast, which sounds to me like sound, um, and then the digital model is left. So I think it's going to be quite quite confusing. 
Yeah. Um, I think, however, that we should work on the assumption that freelancers are, are, it's going to be available to freelancers, and that's one of the concerns that actually there has to be some kind of scope or reimagining of it. It can't just be the sound and vision bit for that, because on the democracy reporter thing, it seems to me that logically a, a group of freelancers should be able to set themselves up as a cooperative or an agency and provide work uh, to a group of people. Now, one person's democracy is another's uh, spin. So do we mean courts? Do we mean HSE advisory councils? Do we mean education board meetings? Do we mean party political conferences? Do we mean climate change because the minister is really interested in it? Uh, and one of the things that that then brings you into is that the BAI has been mercifully free of editorial direction. The, the BAI doesn't uh, direct. But there's really no guidance that I can see so far on what local democracy actually means. Uh, some people might think it's about electing a, a, a mayor of Dublin. Some people might mean you keep, your, keep, keep the elected mayor away. So I mean, there's, there's, there's a huge amount of challenges there. But I think that what we should be doing, and I think I echo what Dean was saying, is I think <coughs> Freelancers here, and our freelancers member might kind of at least put their head on think of, if there was money available, what value could I bring to the table? So if I'm a freelance, what could I be doing which would put me in line for some kind of project? And I think that is the sort of the thinking that we should be trying. No, absolutely. I suppose like in terms of where all this sits as well, again, and it's, it's, it's a known unknown, maybe. Um, some of this is supposed to sit under this media development commissioner within Commission Amman as well, uh, and there's aspects of the future media commission report that set this out. But they don't exactly marry up with the no. online safety and re media regulation bill at the moment as well. So um, that's still being hammered out as well. But I think that there's definitely going to be there. There will be more of uh, an emphasis to get these funds up and running fairly soon under the BAI. But the BAI is probably only going to be around for another couple of months. Like we're, we're, we're expecting legislation to pass probably by November, uh, establishment date, probably Q1 next year, and the day we dissolve, the day we become Commission of Man. So, yeah. Can I ask? Uh, Lee, sorry. The uh, Commission for Future Media, um, one of the broad terms is promoting Irish culture, sport, and and language, I suppose, heritage covers culture with the AI, language you have covered. In relation to sport, um, is that undersubscribed? Is there other opportunities there? And is it maybe um, from a different angle for sport? It might have a cultural component to it. No, absolutely. We're actually only talking about it yesterday. Um, there, there is a yeah, a specific recommendation in the Future Media Commission about a sport fund as well, or some kind of a sport reflected fund and we think that could be done through the guise of sound and vision uh, and, and potentially fairly quickly as well so a targeted round again I think sport has suffered before historically in these big open rounds where you put as exactly as you said you put in a pitch for you know a documentary series on you know deep Atlantic something like that uh, versus uh, Offaly's great win and you know it, it does come down to these kind of big strategic decisions and sport can lose out sometimes in the open rounds. So I, what I could see happening more and more is specific targeted rounds for genres and for uh, specific sectors. So 
more and more we're having, say, our, our community media sector uh, split off from the open rounds as well, uh, so that we're we're more targeted in our dispersal funds. So I would imagine, not to promise anything here and today, but that sport would probably get its, its own specific rounds in order to address that. <coughs> not necessarily, to be honest. I mean, the one thing that we're not really talking about here is, is there there is more money. Um, there's no doubt there's more money. And it, we haven't spoken today about this. It hasn't got a name yet, but there'll be an Article 13.2 levy as well, a content levy flowing out of the Audiovisual Media Services Directive. So this is to... This is this big kind of cash cow to tax Netflix and Amazon and uh, all the SVODs. Now, lots of European countries haven't figured out how to do it yet. Some have tried and have had to kind of look at doing it again, but that's there as well in the background, and we have to think about who's headquartered here as well and how that flows back into the Irish AV sector. But I keep saying AV sector and print because these schemes are platform neutral, platform agnostic. Uh, I can't kind of you know, discriminate either on that basis. <coughs> we just need to kind of learn to move our language a bit more. Uh, but I, I, can't, I can't see um, less being included in open rounds, to be honest. Hi, um, are there any opportunities I can find for uh, feature filmmaking in the BAI? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's included within the scope of uh, an open round of standard vision as well. Um, and we've actually done quite a few features recently. And we, we, we also have a, it's called an ancillary scheme. So it's a bolt on to standard vision. Uh, and it's an initiative with TG Cahar and Screen Ireland, Cine uh, Cahar. So you've seen on Colleen Kuhn, probably or heard about it. That's oh, yeah. BAI money. Um, and yeah, the, the Irish language kind of, we've had Lots of success with Arik and Tarek and Fuska. Um, but yeah, um, features are also included in that. It's just, it's very competitive. Um, yeah. And it's competitive in TV. And, w you know, a feature will always probably go up against a TV series as well. Uh, and as I said before, there's a strategic level where we also need to look at what's been put forward by the broadcasters. So RTE could put in 20 applications. Virgin Media could put in 10. Uh, we yeah. want to be fair to kind of all audiences so that there's a good yeah. mix. And is the application process like, because um, I've, I've heard that there are like maybe too many forms to sign. Is it like complicated to get uh, an application to fund for feature films? Um, it depends where your money's coming from, I suppose. And that's probably nearly always the answer to this. If you've got, uh, if it's underfinanced or under-resourced or there's, there isn't clarity about uh, finance, then you'd probably find it tough. Uh, an application will always do better where we have very clear confirmation uh, in terms of who's going to be involved from the editorial side, the broadcaster's kind of confirmation, and, and finance too. But if you have a kind of a, a woolly letter from somebody saying we may or may not give you money d depending on X, Y, and Z, then it's not likely to be as successful as others. Which, uh, okay. Yeah. And would it depend on whether or not the cost, like, say, 10000 to... One million, maybe two. Um, it depends what else is in the round. To be honest, you know, they're they're, they're open contested rounds, so we we could get a, a lot of applications that are all feature films that have very high budgets or TV series. We might not. Uh, you see peaks and troughs, and you can kind of pr try and predict what will come in. You don't know at the end of the day, um, and it's becoming more and more. Um, I suppose Ireland has been seen more as well from, from outside as being um, a good place to do business in terms of film production. 
Uh, and we're obviously seeing a bit of uh, momentum in Mullingar as well uh, with some big players coming in. So you have that international kind of mix to it too. There's other funding as well to say uh, at the same time. So it would be rare for um, TV or a feature film to come to BAI without Screen Ireland um, uh, financing as well. There's, there's also funding uh, if you want to film in the West. It's called RAP. Um, so yeah, there's lots of other kind of avenues as well that you can kind of uh, look at financing. Yeah. Right. Thank you, William. No problem. Um, yeah, I was Jen. Thank you very much for the talk. Uh, I was just going to ask, uh, but um, with regards to the BAI forms uh, filled in by freelancers, um, what would you say would be some of the biggest mistakes uh, that you might see on those forms? Um, compared to, let's say, maybe the larger place like RTE, you know, Virgin Media, etc. Uh, I suppose, Flo, just uh, what, I, what I was saying earlier, um, lack of confirmation or kind of uh, woolly assumptions, as put it that way, uh, really don't help an application. And it's not, it's not quantity. Um, it's not a, a big long pitch of something that sounds amazing that we're necessarily looking for. It's something that's practical and realizable. Um, and, and that has kind of uh, is already been kind of thrashed out and developed as, as much as possible. We try to give really constructive feedback, I have to say, and I spend a lot of time doing that to, to applicants that aren't successful. Uh, and we could see, you know, a series of resubmissions where they do come back again and act on the feedback that we've given and become successful applicants. We, we, we work a lot on that, uh, try and steer them in the right way. Budget is always key. Um, and a clear budget with clear budget notes. Um, you could be going very well in an application, have the best pitch ever, have everybody in his dog involved, and you could have one budget line that says nothing, and it's 50 grand for an exec producer, and it doesn't explain what they do, and you could lose out on that. Um, so I'd say always look at your budget. Yeah. And then just in terms of how you have to set yourself up to, to be able to avail these grants, do you uh, need to have your own production company or if you had an umbrella company as an independent contractor or if you were a sole trader, would that be sufficient? Yeah, it would be, yeah. Uh, and there's a whole range of different kind of arrangements that are, that, that, that are applicants at the moment. Some people just apply on a personal basis, like I said before, would, would have the backing of a production company or, or uh, have a production company themselves. Uh, the key thing really is, will is there a broadcaster attached to it at the moment? Uh, are they interested? Uh, have you got confirmation of it? Uh, and then everything kind of flows out of that, really. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. Welcome. Uh, There's one other question. I don't know if it has been touched yet, but it's the other question I'm going to ask. Um, one of the other parts of the Commission is that whole area around gender and diversity applications. Mm -hmm. Does that also fall to you? It does. <laughs> it's like, what doesn't at the moment? Uh, and you look through the Future Media Commission report and your head could spin for a while. That, that in itself is a complete nightmare job. I'm not saying it's not worthwhile. Well, absolutely. And uh, Future Media Commission says two things, really. It says, first of all, the BAI should have a strategic res research unit established. Great. Like the, the amount of times I, I, I've been asking for this for the last few years, I, I would only love it. Um, but it doesn't say where the money's going to come from and who's going to resource it. And under the, the, the aegis of, of that group, then, there would be huge pieces of work in terms of analysis, and one of those is gender and, and diversity. Now, we've 
we've tried in Sound of Vision before to address issues around diversity, um, but it's mainly been gender based, and it's had it's women in a lead role has been kind of the the historic one that's been there. So you would look for um, female um, on screen and off screen uh, kind of quotas, and it does it it's blunt, but it does drive behaviour within the sector, I suppose, and we've had you know, a certain amount of success with that. But what you're saying, Seamus, is a whole different kettle of fish. But that, yeah, that's that's another added aspect that we should I do. I, I'm assuming it's not your job to, 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 to design the forms for the, for the sound emission scheme and so on. Uh, one thing I would suggest would be, might be worth passing on the line is, there is like a plain English movement. Yeah. Um, I know it's fairly strong in England. There's presumably a possible Irish people as well. It's just that kind of an audit regularly on those forms just yep. they tend to be like Christmas trees like over time new things get added to them yep. you know and a, a lot of new things are being added at the moment because of <coughs> the commission report and so forth and just it it is a worthwhile exercise I think to ha just have audits done to make sure that you know that it, it doesn't become incomprehensible and, and that it becomes something that's readable and usable. Absolutely. Well, you're, you're speaking to the informal <laughs> plain advocate, um, plain English advocate, the BAI, and in in my previous order, the BBC, we worked we worked a lot uh, with audiences and and with with consultants as well to work on BBC's editorial guidelines and BBC's complaint system to. To engage with audiences to ensure that the audiences know exactly what we're doing. So I think yeah, it'll, that'll be central to what we do because we're going to be a, a much more visible regulator as well in terms of um, our audience. Um, so that's going to be underpinning a lot of what we do in the future. So I'll pass it on, Jerry. Thank you. Okay, guys. I think um, I think we'll draw a line under it there. Um, thank you both. Thank thank you, Donald. This has been a Freelance Forum podcast. The forum is brought to you by the Dublin Freelance Branch of the National Union of Journalists and made possible by network funding from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland Sectoral Learning and Development Programme. Music by Podsummit.com is released under a Creative Commons Zero license into the public domain. I'd like to say thank you for all the people who helped make the Freelance Forum possible this year and every year. Uh, we look forward to another series of events in 2023. You can download the Freelance Forum podcast from Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts and all good podcatcher apps or listen to it on SoundCloud. I'm Jared Cunningham. Thanks for listening. Take care and stay safe. Music